bless you, my friend. I love it. Thank you. You guys feeling good in the house today? You guys excited? Come on, are there any, are there any substance people here at NCU? I just I represent a few of you. All right. Well, it's fun. It's fun to come worship at NCU, and then it's like, you know, our house band with Gina Zarletti, our very own, finally. I love it. I love it. Uh, believe it or not, I just uh, before I, I dive into the message, I always f- uh, felt like the Holy Spirit always wants me to share my conversion story um, before I preach a message to any newer audience. And uh, believe it or not, I actually gave my life to Christ in a nightclub of all places. It's, it's the weirdest. I didn't give my life to Christ in a church. I gave my life to Christ in a nightclub. Um, believe, I used to be uh, an electronic dance music DJ, and I would, I would tour around to clubs with my turntables. No lie. I literally... Uh, and I, I grew up in a, in, in a home where I, I really had no concept of God. I had no concept of Christianity or church. Actually, I did have a concept, but it was all bad. It was like Christians are weird, they're mean, or it's boring. You know what I'm saying? The two extremes. But yet, you know, life has a way of leading us to God, doesn't it? Just pain. Pain leads us to ask deeper questions. I had uh, at the time, I was, so my wife was my girlfriend at the time. And she found her father's body right after he had committed suicide one week. It was one of the worst situations you could have ever imagined. And so we had a a funeral that week. And then that same week, one of my good friends died in a car accident. And I'll, I'll tell you, when you realize how fragile life is, how short it is, you start to ask deeper questions. And I, I, I was forced to think that way. And as I was in the midst of, of asking deeper questions, of course, I'm, I'm still gigging at nightclubs. And, and I'll, I'll never forget, I, I did have a Christian actually say to me, Peter, you should ask God to reveal himself to you. And I remember thinking, that's the weirdest thing. I'm not, why would I do that? <laughs> like, I'm not into boring ritual. You know what I'm saying? Like, it made no sense to me. And yet, um, you know, that night I was working in a nightclub and I was in the second floor of the nightclub looking down on the dance floor. I was DJing and I, I remember like stopping and just looking at everyone and everybody was drunk or stoned out of their minds or, or just, and I remember like just feeling overwhelmed. Like, I hate this. Like, I hate this. Like, life, life is miserable. What are we doing? What are we doing? Is this literally all there is? And I, I was just so overwhelmed. I knew that the whole universe could not have spontaneously arrived out of nothing, but I didn't know, you know, what's the right religion? So literally the thought occurred to me, Peter, ask God to reveal himself to you. And I thought, okay. Uh, you know, I didn't even know how to do that. And I thought, where do I, if I'm going to pray, I don't even know where to look. Do I look down? Probably not. You know, like look up maybe. Okay. So I remember looking up and I'm, I said, God, whoever you are, whatever you are, uh, if, if you created the universe, then... Uh, you should be powerful enough to show me what religion is the right religion. You know, like, give me a sign, you know, a miracle. Like, just lightning bolts across the sky, spelling it out, right? I mean, Islam, Buddhism, none of the above. You know what I'm saying? I thought, why not? You know, like, I, I, so I, I remember, like, finishing that prayer, and I didn't even know how to finish it. I was like, and done. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know how to end a prayer. I, I was just like, I'm just some dude in a club, you know, like, trying to, pray. And, and I remember like my next thought, just being totally honest, was like, wow, I must really be depressed. I'm praying. And then my next thought was, dude, you need a smoke break. And so I passed it off to my assistant, and I was walking down from the second floor, and I was going to cross over the dance floor to get out of the club. 
And as I was crossing the dance floor, this dude grabbed me by the arm and said, dude, I know this is weird, but I, I, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him. Like in the nightclub, 30 seconds after I prayed that prayer. Okay, so I kind of, just being totally honest with you guys, I totally freaked. I did not know what to do. I, I grabbed him and I go, what did you just say? And, and I, you have to understand, I was scared. I'm like, oh, no, Jesus showed up to my nightclub. You know what I'm saying? Like, now I, now I kind of have to follow him. And I'm like, I, and he said it again. He's like, I feel like Jesus has a plan for your life, and he wants you to follow him. And I'm like, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And, of course, I think, you know, he was like, what? Like, almost like it shouldn't be this easy. <laughs> you know, like, or actually, I think he probably thought I was, like, mocking him. So tell me what I'm supposed to do, Jesus boy. Actually, I was just scared. You know what I'm saying? I, I was scared. And so he goes, well, uh, repent of your sin. And, you know, like, gave me, like, a one-minute awkward gospel presentation. And, I, and I, I, I knew I have to do whatever he says. God showed up in my nightclub. And so I go, well, tell me what I'm supposed to do next. And he's, like, almost, like, shocked, like, like, uh, okay, um, I guess we could pray. And I'm like, okay. So then he grabbed me by the hand and pulled me into a nearby booth. And I literally just prayed this old school repentance prayer um, with him right there in the nightclub. And that was it. I, I went to church with that dude the next day and the rest is history. Like for real, okay? I'm just saying... I'm just saying God can reveal himself to anyone. Some of you, you've got that friend, you think they're beyond saving grace of God. Oh, no. God can just snap his fingers and change things. And I, I you know, for, so for me, church is all about reaching people like myself. I mean, the truth is, is that guy who shared Christ with me had no idea how open I was. I looked scary. I was not the type of guy you would have imagined to have been open to Christ, but guess what? I was. And there's people all over this city that are open to Christ that you don't think are open, but they're open. And I, I just, in fact, uh, I, you know, I, in, in case you're wondering if I still have the skills to pay the bills, I still spin on my turntables every night. I'm just saying, you know, as Third Peter says, you can take the pastor out of the nightclub, but you can't take the nightclub. Out. I don't know. It does, there's no Third Peter. Come on, people. Come on. You are North Central Bible students. You know that. All right, sorry, nobody talks like that. But I, I just, no, actually, believe it or not, I know this is kind of funny, but uh, a few years ago, the Lord actually started speaking to me, Peter, you're not done with your turntables. And I'm like, at first, I'm like, the Lord is telling me? Like, literally, I felt convicted of the Holy Spirit that I was neglecting one of the gifts that he wanted me to use uh, to go back and reach people. And so, and at the time, I'm like, yeah, but the church is not going to understand it if I start DJing in nightclubs. I mean, I'm a senior pastor now. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so we ended up uh, at our church substance. We launched a record label, and I thought, let's start by doing a worship project. So we launched a band called Substance IO, and then that does worship. And then we launched a, an all-DJ worship band called Substance Variant. And, and so if you like Calvin Harris or Zed or anything like that, or just any electronic dance music confused with rap. We're actually releasing a national album to the mainstream in just three weeks. So pray for us. Would you pray for us as a church? Pray for us. I really feel like nightclubs are the single greatest competitor to the modern church. And, and yet churches don't even know that. They don't even realize that every city around the world, thousands of young people line up to have a subpar worship experience with no Jesus. How lame is that? 
And so if we could just get a, a team together that could do something relevant, man, watch out. And so uh, we're, we're just hoping to be one of those people. But uh, with all that said, uh, I, today I want to preach on a topic called biblical happiness. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because a lot of Christians do not understand what biblical happiness actually looks like, and we actually buy into worldly happiness more than biblical happiness. And, and so over the past you know, few decades, there's actually been a lot of research, major research on happiness that actually confirms the Bible. And I love this. In, in fact, actually, a huge amount of research proves that church attendance is one of the single largest predictors of happiness in humans. And they found it's it's weird it's unlike any other religion that that there's something unique about church attendance of course we know what it is right i mean uh, in fact get this um, when people who attend church on a weekly basis clinical depression drops by 22% okay this these are major university studies wealth increases with church attendance Time management increases with church attendance. Life expectancy increases with church attendance seven to 14 years longer than the general population for people that attend church twice a week, okay? The longest of anybody in the United States, okay? It's the craziest thing ever. Get this, okay? Even sexual satisfaction dramatically skyrockets with church attendance. Women who attend church twice a week have the highest sexual satisfaction of any demographic in the United States. Come on, church ladies! Come on, church ladies! I'm just saying, that, that stat will grow your church. I'm just saying. Okay, when people hear me share that, they're like, where are your membership classes at? <laughs> Come on. All the church ladies, all the church ladies, all the church ladies, put your hands up. Okay, okay, okay. Some of you are like, I am not doing that. I am not putting my hands up. I want to, but I'm not. Okay, okay. L listen. None of this should be a surprise. None of this. Come on. This is what the Bible has been saying for thousands of years. Check out what King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 6.1, okay? I want, you to, I want you to read this with me because I, he makes the case that happiness and enjoyment actually operates independently of circumstances. Okay, so just hear me here. That, that happiness and enjoyment have nothing to do with your circumstances. Now, this is completely opposite of the world, right? So, and, and really, and keep in mind, this is coming from one of the wealthiest people on planet Earth at the time, right? So, in case you're wondering if you thought money would create happiness, well, this is what the wealthiest person on planet Earth said, inspired by the Spirit of the Lord, Ecclesiastes 6.1, I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. Verse 2, God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, but God does not enable him to enjoy them. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean to tell me that God can actually give a person wealth, possession, and honor, and yet still not give them the ability to enjoy that wealth, that, those possessions, or that honor? Absolutely. In fact, it's miserable. 
that you can, I mean, and, and again, this is from the wealthiest person on planet earth. It's possible to get all these things and still have no pleasure or no joy. And, and the, actually, the research actually shows this, okay? Get this. Circumstantial things like money, jobs, geography, marriage, all these things, they only affect happiness on average, statistically speaking, by about 10%. If you added up all of these things, do, do wealthy people, are they happier than, than non-wealthy people? Are married people uh, over non-married people, good-looking people over non-good-looking people. Is there some sort of difference? Okay, there's all this. There's all this major university studies on this. They found that if, even if you added all of those things up, that the variance is really only about ten percent. Okay, so really it doesn't affect happiness. Okay, so it begs the question. Researchers are asking, well, then what accounts for the other ninety percent? Well, Solomon argues. Guess what? It's God. He hasn't flipped the happiness switch on yet. As, as the Bible says in Psalm 62.1, Solomon's dad taught on this. Your soul finds rest in God alone. That's it. That's it. Your soul finds rest in God alone. Or, or to put it another way, happiness is not a circumstantial problem. It's a spiritual problem. And apparently God has a little happiness switch, a little enjoyment switch in each one of our lives. And it begs the question, well, why would God, why would God flip off the happiness switch for some of us? Well, uh, is it because he's mean? No. In fact, the exact opposite is true. As a parent, I don't want my son eating candy bars every day. Why? Because it'll rot his teeth, right? I'm going to intentionally limit his enjoyment, his experiences out of love. And guess what? God does a similar thing with you and I. Uh, if he knows that we're seeking wealth or promotion or happiness or certain uh, things, uh, opportunities ahead of his timeline, guess what? He's going to slow us down. Why? Because, it, or he's going to remove all the fun from our lives until he knows that he's first in our lives, number one, and number two, that we've got the character to handle the blessings he wants to give us without us bowing down and worshiping those things. Some of, the, some of those prayers you're praying, if God actually answered those prayers, it would be the very thing that starts you on a path away from God. Even, your, even ministry dreams. I watch ministry dreams and pastors pull them away from God. There's certain things that our character just isn't ready to handle, and I believe that God will intentionally test our hearts every once in a while to reveal what's in our hearts, not to be mean, but just to make sure that our focus is right. And how does he do that? By simply allowing us to get into circumstances in which we're totally out of control. And I want to share with, those, share with you one of those circumstances where God allowed me to get totally out of control and where, where God used it to bring me to Christ. And I, he's, he's done this in my life. There's been these moments every few years in my life where he's like, Peter, do you still love me? Do you still put me first? Do you still love me more than ministry? Do you still love me more than all these other things I've entrusted to you? You see, I believe that's an important question to constantly ask. And so just to, to give you one of these circumstances, I want to give you a little backstory. Um, so my wife and I, we've got three kids. We've got two teenage girls and an 11-year-old boy. You can see the picture up there on the screen. And uh, so you, my, my oldest is standing next to my wife. She may even get to know you guys. She may even come here in a year or so. And I, I, my, 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 my second daughter standing next to me, her name is True, okay? So like true and false. We're into like really weird hipster names. So uh, anyway, uh, her name is True. But like, I want to tell a story about my second daughter, True, because God has used her uh, to do some pretty incredible miracles. Um, she's got this really incredible prophetic gift on her life. Uh, where God will use her in just the craziest ways. So, for example, um, the day we put our house on the market was right in the middle of the housing bust. Uh, the average for sale time for a house in our neighborhood was 
was 159 days. And my realtor told me that. He's like, Peter, don't get your hopes up that this is going to sell in a couple weeks. It's more like uh, several months, okay? Like half a year is the average. And my daughter heard that, and she said, Dad, don't worry about that, okay? That's actually not true. The Lord told me when our house is going to sell. And I'm like, really? You know, like... (laughs) When is our house going to sell? Well, the Lord told me our house is going to sell exactly five days from today, that you are going to be discouraged on Saturday, but you're going to get your asking price on Sunday. So just, just don't, don't uh, get upset about it. I'm like, what? Like, how specific can you be? You know, like, I, I thought, depressed on Saturday. And, and, and sure enough, we did an open house on Saturday. Everybody that came through our house ripped on it. I can't believe you're asking this much for this house. And then on Sunday, we got our asking price, five, exactly five days. Okay. How many of you know you're going to listen to your daughter just a little bit more? Like, she, she, she would do this all the time. She'd be like, uh, Daddy, the Lord told me that, that that person's knee is going to be healed on Friday. And uh, sure enough, it was. You know, like, it just random stuff. She would do this. And all while she was growing up, and people would prophesy. Everybody that would come up to my daughter would say, yeah, she's got a really strong prophetic gift. The force is strong with you, it is. You know, like, uh, you know, like Yoda, not really. But we, you're like, does Yoda go to your church? Uh, no. Anyway, so uh, anyway, but I, I so fast forward a few months. At the time, our church was just having this terrible, terrible time trying to fi- find property. Um, our church actually in the Twin Cities, obviously, it's a very, very hostile environment to try to even buy property as a church. Almost every city we tried to buy property in uh, would shut us down, and many of them would do it illegally and just zoning discrimination. And I, I really had no idea how hard uh, the real estate market could be until I, I did that. It's not like I, I was taught that in Bible school, how to do the real estate game. Actually, I learned that in Monopoly, and everybody gets angry at the end. You know, so, uh, but I, I did, I, I knew that it was, we were having a hard time. In fact, we made a serious attempt to buy eight different properties, and every one of these properties, we had to spend tens of thousands of dollars to even appraise them. You know what I mean? So then for them to fall through is demoralizing. I, I just... I never expected that. Well, um, to make matters worse, you know, we, here we were, our, our church was expanding, and yet I couldn't get properties. I mean, we, we had four campuses at the time, three of them portable. It took like 600 people just to set up and tear down our campuses every Sunday. And yet, and, and I'm dying. You have to understand, I'm dying. I mean, we're, we're into like 500 Sundays in a row of set up, tear down, and it was killing me. It was killing our church. I was exhausted. I'm like, God, when, when will we finally get a building for our church? When will we, I mean, it, it, was, it was actually very demoralizing. And I, I think we all have we all have things in our lives it's easy to trust god when things are going good but when things are hard I'm just saying, I, I meet people all the time. They, they love God with all their heart until something bad goes wrong in their life and the next thing you know, God, I'm done. I'm out. I see this every single week at our church. People who really, their roots don't go as deep as we imagined because we haven't really been tested. And so the Lord was testing me. And of course, to make matters worse in that season of my life, you know, right after I, I so I write comedy books on spirituality. I know it's kind of bizarre, but I, I just 
most people are like, I don't read books. And I'm like, well, I'm going to write for you who hate reading in your face. I'm going to get you. And so, no, I, so I write comedy books. And after my first, so my first book uh, became a bestseller. And, and what I didn't expect is that, uh, you know, after our church started getting notoriety, I, I just never expected churches all over the place to, you know, throw large salaries at our staff. And, and so we had, uh, you know, almost 13 staff ended up taking these other salaries over a two-year period. And when you're pastoring a church that's filled with barely saved Christians, you know what I'm saying? You remove the shepherds, people fall away. And our, our church went through a, a season where we lost almost 1,000 people over a two-year window. And it was just demoralizing. It was so demoralizing. I, I can't tell you, you know, because in the midst of that, people would just critique me and say, Pastor, what's wrong with you? Why can't you find buildings? Why can't you just do what it seems other pastors do? And why, you know, just hearing that critique and I, everything in me wanted to be like, I'm trying to, you know, like, be quiet. And then after a while, I started internalizing it. Maybe I am terrible. Maybe I'm not a good pastor. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm not called to be a senior pastor. Maybe I'm a failure. Maybe, maybe this whole thing isn't for me. And I, I literally spent two months Every single day thinking, God, you're actually calling me to quit. That's why. This is just a, it's a roadblock. I'm actually not good at this. I'm not called to this. And, and I, I, I thought that. And it got to this point where, where my wife and I couldn't even hide our discouragement from our kids anymore. I was just depressed. Our church was capped. I had no idea how to figure it out. And so in the middle of this dark season, my daughter True came up to me. And, and at the time, she was only about 10 years old. And, and she said, Dad, uh, the Lord wants to encourage you. And and he spoke to me about a church building for us. And she goes, Daddy, it was just like our house. And so I was like, really? You know, like, I'm like, just like our house. And she said, yep. She said, Dad, the Lord said to me, by this time next Thursday, you're going to find a building that substance is going to be in. And she said, you're not going to get it right away. But by this next Thursday, you're going to decide, you're going to find it and decide to go for it. And of course, I had no real estate meetings planned. I had no idea how that's supposed to happen. And, and she it went on. She's like, Daddy, it's beautiful. God even showed me what it was going to look like. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And she said, yes. She goes, Daddy, it has like a double layer to it. And I'm like, a double layer, like, like a balcony? Like, yeah, people sit on, on a level here, and then they sit on a level here. And, 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 and so just being totally honest, I'm just being vulnerable with you guys. Uh, Peter the skeptic just rose up in me because I just started thinking, how in the world am I supposed to find a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday? I mean, I know like every commercial real estate property that's available right now in the Twin Cities. So, like, I've been looking for six years. And how is this supposed to magically happen? I, I know there's not buildings with balconies that are even on the market. I thought, how is this supposed to happen? And of course, you know, and yet finally in my heart, I'm like, Peter, don't walk down that path of cynicism. Don't do it. And I finally just remember surrendering in that moment, like, God, if you want to do the impossible, then you can do it. I just, Lord, you can do anything, even if that means providing a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday. Well, fast forward, the next four days passed, nothing happened. And so Thursday, the day that my daughter pointed out, it's fast approaching. It's only two days away at this point, and nothing's happening. And all of a sudden, you know, this fear started rising up in my heart. Is this that moment where my daughter finally got it wrong? You know what I mean? Is this that moment where I have to explain to her, we don't always hear from the Lord? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, this thought was going through my head. You know what I mean? I'm just being honest with you. All of a sudden, Tuesday morning, I get a phone call from my administrator saying, Pastor, I totally forgot to tell you that we were going to go look at a building today for substance. And I'm like, shut up. 
like a building today? And he's like, yeah. Uh, in fact, if you could just meet us, I'm so sorry I didn't put this on your, ske- uh, your schedule. Just and, and, and so I get off the phone and my daughter hears me talking about a building and she goes, you're going to go look at a building today, aren't you, Dad? And I'm like, yes. And she goes, Dad, she goes, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. The Lord said that you'll know this is the one when you look up and you say, wow. And it's covered in red. And so two hours later, I'm right here in downtown getting a tour of the historic Wesley building. And I walked in and I looked at the glass dome over the sanctuary and the words just came flying out of my mouth. Wow. And suddenly I remembered my daughter's word. And I just like, I literally freaked out when I looked up and saw the, the glass cupola dome over the auditorium. And I started taking pictures of it. And I, I, I literally, I had a Holy Spirit buzz. I started snapping pictures. Well, get this. My daughter was at school that day. And she decided to draw a picture of the vision God gave her to help me know. I know, I know. No, like no exaggeration. She drew a picture to help me know if the one I was looking at was the one. By the time I came in, right? She came, she's like, Daddy, is this the picture? Is this the building you saw today? Because this is what I saw in the vision. And that picture is the picture I took like four hours earlier. And she even said, it's covered in red. She, she said, yes, Dad, it's covered in red. And, and I totally freaked out because it was almost identical. And I thought, what are the odds that she could draw something that close? I mean, the, so the building is just like four blocks away from here. I mean, it would easily cost $40 million to build from scratch. And yet we got it for the, just this astronomically cheap price. And so we moved into it a year ago, uh, already added a second service. And, and get this. Get this, if that wasn't amazing enough, God ended up doing another miracle, and we ended up moving into another building on the north side. Two huge buildings, like we moved into the same year for a price that doesn't make sense. And, 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 and young people, here's why I'm sharing this, okay? First off, almost every dream I've ever dreamed took longer than I expected. But when it happened, it was better than I expected. And I've just made this decision in my heart, I'm not going to worry about God's timeline for my life. And for some of you, you're worried about marriage, you're worried about your dream job, you're worried about all these things. And, and listen, you know, it's like the old saying goes, we tend to overestimate what God can accomplish in a year, and we underestimate what God can accomplish in 10 Sometimes we just have to surrender to God and say, not my will, but yours be done. And I I just, I want to encourage you. I think every one of you is going to have a Christian friend who's going to experience a delay or a hardship and will walk away from Christ because of that hardship. I want to encourage you, do not be one of those people. I look at my own life and how I almost quit. And I look at my own life, and I, I actually believe that God was testing me to really see if I trusted him. And, and if I was willing to place myself into his hands, even when things aren't going right, not just for one year, not even for three years, but for like even five years, for a, for a majority of a decade, things were not going right for me. And yet, it's critical that we understand something today, and it's this. God has a more important agenda than building our dreams. And what's that? It's building you. It's building you. It's building the character in you to sustain the weight of your dreams. And so I always encourage people, don't pray for a perfect spouse. Pray for a character worthy of a perfect spouse. Don't, even, don't pray for finances. Pray for the stewardship worthy of finances. I don't even pray for promotion anymore. I pray for promotability in my life. Why? Because God already wants to promote us. You don't even have to talk God into blessing you. He already wants to bless you. Come on. Don't even, like, listen, 
Because the real question is not, does God want to bless you? He already does. Chill. The real question is this. Does your soul have the integrity to sustain the weight of your dreams? That's what God's thinking. He's thinking, oh my gosh, loved one, I already want to answer that prayer. Stop asking me. What I really need from you is just to get that one area of your life that I've convicted you of, and I've already given you the power to deal with it, but you're not. You see, at the end of the day, let me, let me finish with one last verse from Solomon, Ecclesiastes 2.26. The same person who said that first verse I shared also said Ecclesiastes 2.26, to the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. But who qualifies? The person who pleases him. Well, how do we please the Lord? Do we have to like strive for it by, by logging five hours of prayer? No, that's, God's not looking for perfect. He's just, he's looking for surrender, okay? He's not looking for striving. He's looking for surrender. That's all he needs from us is consistent surrender. And so I'm sharing these stories with you that you might just have a moment of surrender. And so this is what I want to do is that just, would you guys stand up? Now I realize that you guys need to be dismissed. Some of you may, who need to leave, you can go leave right now. But those of you who are able to, to, to stick around and, and just, I'm just going to say a little prayer and I'm going to have uh, our, one of our guys come on up here and we're just going to end in a little moment of prayer. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for all these students. I thank you for all the dreams that you've placed in their hearts. I pray that you would give them the endurance and the character to sustain the weight and the size and the gravity of that huge dream you've placed in their heart. Lord, we just acknowledge today that none of us have the power to do this on our own. And if it was not for the life-giving spirit of Christ coming alive on the inside of us, Lord, we would have nothing. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we breathe you in. Just breathe him in right now. Mm, just breathe him in right now. Just, just, just take in the life-giving spirit of Christ. It's the, it's the same spirit that qualifies you, that changes you, that's transforming you. Right now, I have this sense that, that the Holy Spirit is gently and delicately convicting us of things in our lives that we know we need to deal with, but we haven't. And here's how you know it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit versus the condemnation of the devil. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is always very, very, very specific. It's deal with this area. It's break up with that girlfriend or that boyfriend. It's deal with that bad friendship. It's get some stewardship. Get, get your church attendance consistent. It's specific, okay? Condemnation from the devil, it's just this, you're not worthy. You don't deserve this. It's just this generic, hazy feeling of you're not qualified, and technically you're not aside from the grace of Christ. But right now, Holy Spirit, we, we realize that the greatest way to just continue walking in grace is to receive your grace so thoroughly, so fully that it compels us to joyfully follow you even into the tough places of our lives. And right now, we do that as a corporate body, and we ask for your spirit to manifest, manifest here. And if that's you, just, again, throw your hands in the air. Just, just, Holy Spirit, you see us. You see us. 
you see us. I just sense God's spirit is just wanting to, to pull you in deeper, pull you in, just to, to, to share his insight with you. And he's telling you to hold on, hold on. There's somebody here today where the, the, the Holy Spirit wants me to share with you that, 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 that you, were, you were quitting in your heart. Even though you believe in your head that, that Jesus is Lord, that you've already quit in your heart because of some wounding that's happened in your family. In fact, I get the sense that there's, there's somebody here where because of what happened to your mom, you have this bitterness and you don't know what to deal with that or how to sort that out. And, and you're just, and as a result, it's kind of put this distance between you and God where you believe, but you, you have unbelief. And God wants to say, hey, listen. I want to speak to you and give you a new perspective on what I was doing there. Holy Spirit, just minister in this room. We thank you for your grace and your favor. And, and, and church, how about we just, what we're going to do right now is I just want to close with just a moment of, of, of corporate surrender. And so if you're here, would you just would you just pray this after me? Say, "Dear Jesus, I believe, but help me in my unbelief to walk with you no matter how hard it is. Starting today and for the rest of my life." Now, if you mean that just between you and God, say, God, help me do that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge your sweet presence. We just thank you for creating a story in all of our lives that just reveals you to the world. In Jesus' name. You know, students, what, what I love about even these stories that I'm sharing with you is that they had nothing to do with me. Me getting saved in a nightclub, even me getting that building, it really had nothing to do with me. It was really a God story that God did in my life. God gave me a testimony that reveals him to the world, and that's what God wants to do in your life, too. It has nothing to do with you. All you have to do is just not quit and continue surrendering. That's it. I cannot wait to see what stories are going to happen in this room, because look around this auditorium. Look at all the people that have a huge calling on their lives. Oh, oh. It's a happy dance, because I'm happy. God's going to use this, this, this auditorium to change this city, change this world, and I'm such, uh, it's such a privilege that I even got to share my story with you, and someday make sure you share your story with me. Amen? Love you guys. We'll see you and see you.